0: Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Coach's Corner University podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Paul Onied. Um, This podcast is sponsored by Coach's Corner University, obviously. Um, Coach's Corner University is your hub for continuing education as a coach, as an athlete, trying to give you the best of the best in terms of evidence-based information to level up your game for yourself and your clients. It's also sponsored by Master Athletic Performance, which is my coaching company. If you're interested in coaching for training, nutrition, or both, please visit www.masterathletic.com. Today, I'm joined by the man with the most contradictory nickname in the history of nicknames, Joe Seaman. Um, I was going to wear a tank top to try and, like, body up or, like, six sweaters, but I didn't. Um, <laughs> how are you, man? Thanks for coming on. I'm good. I'm good.
1: Uh, thanks for having me. And, yeah, the nickname uh, definitely is contradictory, but, yeah. uh, you know, it, it works, though, you know? It works well, so
0: how did how did you get the nickname?
1: um honestly it actually comes all the way back like to when I was a little kid uh because I'm this I'm the second youngest of six kids okay. so I had three three older brothers and everybody would always call me little Joe when I was a kid. so I kind of that kind of just stuck with me even as I grew up and people would call me little Joe and then as I got into into bodybuilding then like, People just jokingly call me Little Joe. So as I once I got into, you know, coaching people and stuff, I just mm-hmm. use the name Coach the Little Joe because I'm like people are always calling me Little Joe, and it is a uh, you know oxymoron or something funny like yeah. that. Where
0: uh, <laughs> you know well, people see you and they're like, "You're not little." It works branding wise too because Little Joe Muscle Co. sounds fucking awesome. Yeah, it's no, a I know. Great, great brand name. <laughs> yeah, um, oh no, it works well. So, I mean, that's a great segue into, you know, what started you off in bodybuilding? How did you get into, actually, you know what, before we get into that, we say little Joe, what's your off-season weight usually at?
1: Um. Well, the, this past off-season before I started prep, I got up to like about 310. Yeah, so uh, not little. Yeah. No, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know if I'll get that heavy again, uh, just because... It's really uncomfortable, but, uh, I can yeah, I would say, yeah, like typically the past few years, like off season, I'd be up to like around the 300 pound mark. So definitely. Yeah. Not little by any means.
0: <laughs> it's funny to think that like the difference between 300, you're like, yeah, 300 okay. But 310 is just too much. We're talking about like yeah. 3% of your body weight or less. <laughs> or Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: so. It's crazy. Yeah. Even when you
0: start, I started
1: prep, but I noticed once I was down in the in the two nineties, I felt way better, like
0: crazy difference from like 15 pounds. That's wild. Um, so yeah, what, uh, what got you started in bodybuilding? Well, when I was, uh, when I was
1: a teenager, um, I have an older brother, he's about, uh, well, he's actually, he's 10 years older than me. Okay. Um, so when he was, uh, actually I was, well, I would have been like still a kid to be honest. Cause he was like around, 18 19 20 in that age range when he he was into bodybuilding Mm -hmm. um and he started he did his first show i believe he was 19 and so i was like this nine-year-old kid and i'd seen him like you know getting into this and like looking jacked and like all this stuff because like to me your perception when you're a kid you're just like to me he looked like just massive but like he was probably only like 200 pounds um but i was like oh wow and then, so I'd always like kind of looked up to it. I remember like being a, a teenager and uh, stealing his like flex magazines and looking at them and stuff. Cause I was like, so interested in it. And I always wanted to, you know, get into it. But like my mom was so against it um, cause she really didn't like it. But uh, by the time I got towards the end of high school, he actually decided to compete again. he had always been kind of into bodybuilding, but not really into it. Mm-hmm. And so I was 18 and I went to go watch him compete and I'd been kind of working out at this time, but not like really dedicated to like a bodybuilding type training. Mm-hmm. Um, And so I watched him compete when I was 18. And it was just like one of those things where you're like, Shh, wow, I really want to do this. Like I just saw the show and I remember sitting there being like, I want to do this. Like, I really want to do this. And so basically what I decided then and there was like, okay, I'm going to you know i'm gonna ask i asked him for help and i asked like some other people that i knew in the gym just to like get some advice and then i just started training like 100 like a bodybuilder trying to eat like five six meals a day um and i took like that next two years to try and like aim to get ready to be able to compete in a bodybuilding show mm-hmm. um so basically um i always say like yeah like 18 years old is when i was like okay hey, i want to be a bodybuilder I'm going to train like a bodybuilder and then work towards that. Mm -hmm. Um, Because before that, actually, before I was 18, um, my mom wouldn't let me have a gym membership. So she didn't want me to go to the gym because she didn't want me to be into bodybuilding like my brother. (laughs) So I was working out at home with a little bit of like those like old school weed or sand weights that my dad had. Yeah, a little bit in high school, but I didn't really have much else uh, to work with. So I was just kind of, you know, messing around with that. Uh, to try and help me with the sports I was playing at the time Mm -hmm. Um, so going in the gym I remember just like the first summer um, still being 100% natural I went from I was still I was pretty big for you know being someone who didn't really go to the gym I was about 200 pounds Um, and then like over the summer I went up to like I think I was up to 220 in like the first three in like two or three months but it was like pretty lean too and it was kind of funny because I'm like yeah like i was just eating and training and that's pretty much all i did because i didn't really other than a part-time job i wasn't working like uh like crazy so i had all the time in the world to to go to the gym and do this and i and that first uh few months was like some of the craziest progress i probably made ever in like that short of a time frame
0: there's so many so many directions you could go down with with all that information like number one being I'm always curious as like there's a lot of parallels with everyone's story, right? So I have a very similar story to yours in terms of like how I started into I just was always interested in training, always interested in nutrition, went down that path in education. But for me, it was more so the strength sports side of things. The the aesthetics, <laughs> aesthetic sport for me was a bit of like a challenge because I was a heavier set kid growing up. And I say heavier, I was a really fat kid growing up. And uh <laughs> So the prospect of like being on stage in my underwear was totally off the table. So it's like, I still want to train, but like, I had a bow flex, you had your weir set. I had, you know, my mom was in the gym, but she didn't necessarily want me doing bodybuilding stuff. So, but then you add to it the genetic piece of as soon as you started training, you just exploded. Like that's ridiculous amount of progress to be making naturally in like two months. And I think that brings to itself like the difference between those people that are pros, people want to make excuses of like, oh, they do this or they take this. But it's like, no, they would be pros regardless of what was on the table. And then you add into that the mentality, which we're going to talk about later, and the work ethic that comes with that. And now you have this perfect storm of what makes a 270-pound stage physique, right? Yeah. yeah. And I'm sure you see it in your clients too, like the they have these aspirations and you have the ones that take complete ownership over the process. And then you have the ones that aren't able to make that switch.
1: It's very true. Um, and I see it very often where it's like, you, you can kind of tell just by how someone approaches, like even the most basic things, like just their daily habits, nutrition, going to the gym, like being consistent with those things about how serious they are and like, you know, what their mindset is like, cause you know, there's the clients like that that I have that are just like robots and they're just like, they always train at the same times. So they always get their meals in, they always update you on time, etc And then there's the ones where, you know, they're, they're always, I find like the ones that are always talking about their goals more, um, usually aren't doing as much as the ones that are just doing what they need to do based on what they told you they want to accomplish. And, uh, I find the ones that talk about it more are always the ones uh, that tend to have more excuses as to why they weren't able to accomplish, you know, those like daily habits that they, they set forth or, you know, working towards those goals, like the ultimate goal they have of whether it's, you know, body composition or strength or putting on muscle, et cetera. So it's uh, it's very true. Like the mindset has to be there uh, more so than just, uh, you know, whether it's genetics or, uh, the best guidance you could possibly have because if their mindset's not there and the ability to execute it it's just uh
0: none of that nothing else really matters I, yeah couldn't agree more I mean I've uh I've had the opportunity over the years to train in in gyms with some of the strongest people in the world like when I was started powerlifting more seriously I was training at a gym here in Ottawa that doesn't exist anymore Dynamo barbell we had three of the top like Three guys who are the top in their weight class in the whole world, training in the same gym. None of them talked. None of them talked about the things they were going to do or achieve or whatever. They just got to work, and that's one thing. Like I, I observe. I like observing people, and it's one thing that I've noticed about you. When you're in the gym, you're very soft. Like you'll say hi to everybody, but you're very soft-spoken. You don't necessarily talk about what you're doing. You don't boast about it on social media. You strike me as like a very cerebral type of person. Would I be mistaken there?
1: No, it's it's true. Um, I feel like uh, I feel like that's something I've developed into over the years. Because mm-hmm. I would say, you know, if you go back to when I was like an eighteen-year-old, nineteen-year-old kid, I uh, like I was never a big-time partier or anything. But like mm-hmm. when I went out, if I had any drinks, my shirt would come off. You know what I mean? like so I was that guy that was like hey look at me like you know yeah I found like the more I matured and the more my physique developed the less I cared to show it you know what I mean like because for me it was more it's more you're doing it for yourself so you're like I don't I don't care to boast about it I don't care to you know get compliments and things like that and I honestly like even though I do it like I'll do some you know post-workout posing whatever it is if I I'm sending a check in or just for obviously like some social media content or just or just for myself Um, but like I honestly hate doing that because like I hate the extra attention if someone sees you and they're just like hey man like you you look good and I'm like oh thanks (laughs) because it's just for me it's like I don't do it for the attention I do it just because you know it's something that I a goal I'm working towards something I'm passionate about something I love doing Mm-hmm. And, like, the attention aspect is something I could uh, – I, I, don't, I don't care for. Like, I appreciate when people, you know, uh, you know they recognize something you've done and, like, recognize an accomplishment or they recognize, you know, the work you're doing. But um, I, I don't do it for that reason, if that makes sense.
0: It, it totally makes sense. And, and, like, as a compliment to you, like, I, I see it. I see that sort of – you are – what you just said is represented fully in the outward portrayal of what you're doing. And I think that a level of personal ownership that it takes over the process, a lot of bodybuilders will talk about, well, I do this because it's, you know, my personal progression, I'm building myself. And, and I find most cases, they're talking about their, their physiques, but they ignore what's between the ears. Yes, absolutely. You have to be, able to endure an incredible amount of suffering, which to be fair, until I did my first prep, I didn't really understand that level of just general malaise that you feel when your energy expenditures through the roof and your food is in the basement and you know, your body fat percentage is that low. The way that you feel is I, I can't even put it into words, but there's the level of mental toughness that comes along with that and translating that into other areas of your life when you have that level of personal ownership you don't like positive critique you want to know what you can do better because when you have ownership over the process now you can get to that next level of progression she's like okay i did this my kpis were the were the physique um assessment that i got from the judges okay i'm not perfect yet i'm not where i want to be yet let's go to the next level and i think i like I saw that with your competitive season this year. You did the New York Pro, you did the Toronto Pro. New York Pro, you said yourself, I believe, is one of your favorite packages that you've ever brought to the stage. Mm -hmm. And then in in Toronto, you came, was two weeks later? It was two weeks later, Yeah, yeah. Came out a little bit flat. Night show, you came out much, much more full and you moved up a placing, I believe. But for you, that must have been like okay, well, I'm moving forward. I'm making progress.
1: Yeah, honestly, uh, and I can uh, I can kind of go into that a little more detail too, because like uh, the thing with both of those shows is like my mindset was a little bit different for both, and uh, the reason being is like going to New York, I was I was very relaxed, like I was perfectly like calm, joking around. Me and my my girlfriend, like, just having fun, uh, you know, just literally just, like, eating my meals, doing my posing, sending Justin an update every, like, every meal kind of thing. And it was just dialing in was really, really easy. And then I just remember being backstage before prejudging, and, like, I saw how I looked, and it was, like, probably the only time where uh, where I get, like, quote-unquote cocky mm-hmm. is, like, right before I go on stage because I just try to hype myself up to be, like, you know, you're going to win. Like, you have to, even yeah. if you don't, that's just the mindset going on stage. So I knew, I was like, I look good. I'm right on point. Let's do this. So I like, I was just very, very in a, in a really good, like, mind state going into that, uh, that show. I was very relaxed, very confident, felt really good. Um Two weeks later, going into Toronto, um, it's not like I wasn't, it's not like that much was different. It was just like, I was putting more pressure on myself to do a certain like get a certain placing so I was like putting pressure on myself to be one of the best guys in the show you know be battling with like Ian and that Hassan and guys like that so I was more like I was more stressed going into that show Mm. and like uh, you know my girlfriend saw things like that so I think that kind of contributed to me being flat at prejudging because I noticed like as I was carving up for that show like going into New York uh, my body was holding the fullness better going mm-hmm. into Toronto. Uh, Justin actually had me eating even more food. Like I was eating like 1200 grams of carbs a day, oh, like just, uh, just ridiculous amounts of food. Like, and like, I couldn't hold fullness. Like I, every day I'd wake up, my weight was the same. You know, I was not oh, really good. holding that fullness. Uh, so like going into pre judging, I remember even having like, uh, I had like a burger and fries before prejudging and like a few other meals. Like I had enough food on paper and had enough fluid on paper for it to stick. But, uh, you know, I was backstage a little longer than I expected. So I could have easily, uh, if I was prepared, but I didn't have enough food with me because I expected mm-hmm. to be on a little sooner. Yep. And uh, so, yeah, that contributed towards the flatness. But I also think it was my mindset and stressing about, you know, oh, I need to, place a certain way because you know there's all these people here to watch me and yada yada and they're expecting me to do well and so i think it just played with my mind a little bit on that and i can admit that because you know for me every time i do a show whether it's like uh like a good end result or a bad end result or like whatever the end result is i'm always assessing and being like okay you know not just how i looked but like what was my mindset going into that what was I thinking about? What was I doing? You know, what were those habits you had going into the show? Mm -hmm. And like, I think about the whole thing, not just what I can improve my physique, but how can I improve my approach mentally too? Because I feel like that is a very big factor going into shows because like the way you're thinking and the way you're stressing about something and like all these other things um, play a very big role in how your physique is going to look when you get on stage. So Um for me going into Toronto, it was just like I was just too worried about that end result instead of embracing the process and just enjoying it like I should. Um, but at the end of the show, it's like you said, like we like uh we like to hear the critique. So like I was able to get the head judge critique and he basically said, like, you know, he's like, if you would have looked how you looked at finals at pre-judging, it would have been a different story for you. Um, and he just told me he's like, you know, bring up your he Told me to bring up my chest and obviously continue to work on uh controlling my midsection and trying to bring it in a little tighter if I can. Mm-hmm. And he said it would put me in a better position to, you know, be pushing for higher placings and potentially win a show. So for me, that was like one of those things I really like to hear because I'm like, okay, now I know what I need to work on, you know, physically, and I can, you know, get back to that drawing board and like start to implement those things. And that's what excites me is like knowing where, where can I improve? And like hearing that it's like, I don't want to hear. So I hate like as much as it's, you know, once in a while it's nice, but like, I honestly hate when people are like, Oh man, you looked amazing. When like you knew you looked off at prejudging yeah. and you're like, everybody's telling you, you look amazing. And you're like, no, I didn't. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I just want to know where I can get better now.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and to the thing that jumps out to me about that is the concept of like the locus of control, So when you take an internal locus of control and focus on what you have within your power within your circle of influence is your mindset is the you know the embracing of the process and you went from this internal locus of control for new york to this external locus of control to you know placing your idea of success on something external to you that you can't you have no control over Mm -hmm. it completely changes the way you know your physiology reacts because that stress level is higher But then as soon as that show was done, you realized it, you returned to that internal locus of control and you said, okay, I know exactly what my process has to be. If I take care of that process, I'm going to set myself up to be better in the future. And I think that like that's a great lesson to whether people are competing or whether they're just pursuing their own level of personal excellence with a weight loss or a strength, strength block or, or muscle gain block. If you have control over everything, including what's between your ears. The end result takes care of itself because correct me if I'm wrong, you are a pro and the placings matter, but if you place well and look poor compared to what you would like to look like, I don't think it means as much to you. No, it doesn't. Like, uh, and I think I've heard other guys
1: say this before too. And I agree with it is it's like um, it's all based on the lineup of like who you're competing against. So there's guys I know who've competed in, like, you know, weaker lineups and it wasn't their best showing, but they placed well. Mm-hmm. And then there's lineups that are more competitive and you don't place as well, but it could be like the best you've looked mm-hmm. just because of that day. And for me, that was like me going into New York. It was like, like, uh, the way I looked was like, I felt like I won, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Cause I was like, man, like, I was like, when I saw the pictures, I was like, holy shit. Like, I surprised myself, like, with that because I'd never, you know you never really get to see really good quality pictures for every show you do Mm -hmm. because like Toronto for example the backdrop is terrible so like the the picture quality isn't as good but New York like the way they had it set up and everything the stage and everything like getting to see those pictures uh was pretty cool because I was like wow like that's like in my opinion I think uh like overall like pre-judging and finals that's like the best I think I've ever looked on stage Mm -hmm. um at a show so like for me that was huge uh especially at that, that level of a show. Um, So like, like you said, like I didn't win, but like, for me, I was like showcasing my best was more important than a win.
0: I love that. I love that. So, I mean, building off of that, something that I want us to chat with you about, because I know that you posted about it is stoicism. So for people who are uninitiated to stoicism, it's a, it's a philosophy based on personal control, personal ownership, and, for me, I came into stoicism during a period of time where I felt very much out of control in my life, going through a very challenging time. And I found that it really helped to switch my mindset towards the things that I can control. It calmed me down and and really brought me out of it into this new level of personal awareness. Um, I'm wondering like, where did the interest in stoicism come from and how does that play into that mindset?
1: So, um, for me, it really started in 2020. And I think it was, you know, kind of during like the time where there was a lot of lockdowns and things like that going on because of, you know, what we had happening at that time. But uh yeah, I feel like I kind of stumbled across it. I was watching uh, a podcast. It was actually Fuad's podcast. Okay. Um, and he had, uh, I don't know, if, do you know who John De La Rosa is? Yep. Yep. So he was on there and he was talking about like how he had sort of done some things to change his habits and he started reading in the morning and things like that and he mentioned the one book that he reads um every morning it's called the daily stoic and i was like huh so like when he started talking about that he's like yeah you read a, like an excerpt a page a day for every day of the year um and it's kind of like a good way to start your day uh with a good mindset a good mind frame and put yourself in a good mind frame right off the bat at the beginning of the day So that's like as soon as I saw that podcast, I went on Amazon, bought that book, Mm -hmm. and started reading that every day. That's something I still do every day. Like it's literally on my desk right here. Yeah, something I I've read it through like probably I guess three four times now. Um, And then that kind of sparked my interest in like a little more into Stoic philosophy. So I did continue to read more books, Um, actually of the same author Ryan Holiday. Yeah, he has a a series of books uh, about Stoic philosophy. So I've read a few of his other books um, that I really liked. Uh, One particularly one I liked is called Ego is the Enemy. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's kind of, I think that book in particular, really kind of even more so made me kind of like the guy that's always training in hoodies and covered up. And (laughs) you know what I mean? Uh, But that kind of, that's what kind of got me into that because I felt like at that time, you know, there's things out of my control and I just needed to be able to, know just focus on the things I could control make the most of what I have and you know just have that gratitude for just like where you're at and like what you can do with what you have instead of being so focused on like the things you don't have or what other people have or you know stressing about what you can't control because you know at the end of the day like all you can do is control what you can control and you know be able to find enjoyment in that and not be so worried about the things outside of your control.
0: Love it. Yeah, it's exactly the same things that I definitely, I definitely have have benefited from it. And I find it transferring over into my own process, the way that I, the way that I go through life, whether it be with coaching, business, my relationships, I found that mindset to be so beneficial and it actually I don't know if you found this but this is kind of funny I find it frustrates other people when I don't react to them my girlfriend I, hates it my, <laughs> do, my wife too yeah she, <laughs> I remember one of the first arguments that we had she you know brought something up that she wasn't happy with and I was like you know what you're right and I changed it and she was she was just shocked she's like why won't you fight with me I'm like because you're right it's fine. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> that just always jumps out at me as just being hilarious. Um, so just in keeping with, you know, the idea of, of a value system and personal ownership, one thing that is a, it's fresh in my mind because I'm kind of going through it myself with my own uh, athletic endeavors is this value system that needs to be in place as a bodybuilder or a high-level athlete of any kind where you have to have a, pre- a, a very well-established prioritization of your energy, your time, also the things that you're willing to sacrifice, the things that you're not willing to sacrifice. And that plays into how you interact with the world, how you run your business, how you how you have a relationship with your partner. And I kind of wanted to ask you about how that process comes into play in terms of evaluating where you place certain things within the hierarchy of needs as Joe as a person, Joe is a business owner, Joe is a bodybuilder, because as a men's open competitor, there is a massive shift in the prioritization of time, size, discomfort, health. Like, do you, do you spend time thinking about those things? Yes, no, I definitely do. And like,
1: uh, the the way I like to go about it is, is like, I kind of like, it's like breaking up the year. Into, into segments where it's like, okay, this, you know, portion of the year is, you know, focused mostly on the contest prep, prepping for the shows, doing the shows, et cetera. And then the time there's other, the portions of the year that are more so focused on uh, a lot more on the business aspect and on the personal aspect with like, you know, like my, obviously my girlfriend and like family and focusing more on that. But uh, it's all, I always try and break it down. So it's like, there's parts of the year where it's like, yes, I'm being more selfish because I have to, you know, have to be when I'm prepping for shows. Of course, of um, course. But I yeah. don't like, I still try to make sure that I'm not fully neglecting those other areas, right? It's mm-hmm. like, they may not be as much of a priority during those times, but um, it's still something that I uh, will give time to as much as I can but it's uh it is it is challenging to do honestly like and I feel bad at times because I'm like you know you feel like man I'm all I'm doing is like literally like a robot like I have my day planned and it's like even my girlfriend was saying this like uh because I used to I feel like yeah I used to be less busy I guess you could say if that Mm -hmm. makes like that's even a thing um and I used to always like Take a nap every day kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then she noticed she's just like, man, she's like, you're not taking naps anymore. I was just like, I just like, because I'm just trying to take advantage of the day, I guess, if that makes, you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. And it's like, it's not like I don't want to. It's just like I want to make sure I can do more, uh, whether it's, you know, for my business, you know, for my personal life, and just like, you know, especially after a show, I'm like, I want to be like kind of giving back to those areas that I neglected more, you know, and like making up for it in a sense, because. You know, it's like, you only have so much time in your life with, you know, those people or to do those things. So it's like, I'm like, I can lose a little bit of sleep or lose that nap to like, you know, make sure I have that time to know, get my business done during the day. And then in the evening, me and my girlfriend, you know, we can watch something on Netflix. We can go, you know, do something, you know, take the dog out, whatever it is, Um, just little things like that, that, uh, you know, they go a long way. So, and for me, I feel like I always need that um for myself too like cuz it kind of shows that you're not just a robot like always you know training and eating and blah 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 and doing all that stuff um cuz it gives you that kind of like like release almost where it's like you can just be a human feel like you're normal so to speak um and like yeah so <laughs> that's kind of what i try to do i try to have like parts of the year that i've planned out where it's like more focused on different things Mm -hmm. um and like it's never there's never one area that's like okay I'm fully neglecting this it's just more like okay the percentage of um effort in this area is increased now and then this one's increased during these months and so on and so forth throughout the year and sometimes it fluctuates like if I for example decided like oh I want to do another show in the fall then it's like okay like I have to kind of go over that again and kind of reassess things and change it up a bit but uh yeah I always try and keep uh as much as possible have like that uh, yearly balance, I guess you could say mm-hmm. between those areas um, because like, I never want to be like, you know, fully consumed by one thing.
0: Yeah. I, I totally get that. And I, I think of it as similar, similar in a way. It's like there's seasons to everything. There's seasons to focus on your business There's seasons to focus on your relationship and really build that. And, and I feel like then, At other points, those things are on maintenance while you focus on other things. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's really important for people to realize that the idea of balance, in my opinion, in an acute sense, like in the moment, there's no such thing as balance. If you wanna do something great, you have to be unbalanced, but those periods of imbalance in one area need to be compensated for in other areas. So if there's points where I'm really focused on my business it's not the time to be prepping for a show. Yeah, it's a time where I'm prepping for a show. It's not the time to build my business. Um, I've taken an approach with my relationship that I prioritize it at, at all times because just things that have happened in life, with my relationship, is probably the m- it, it is the top priority for me. So even when Liv is prepping for a show or I'm prepping for a show, we always plan date nights or activities or or time during the day where we can actually spend quality time. And that's been a phenomenal thing. And I mean, having an understanding partner like your your girlfriend used to compete as well, did she not? Does she still (laughs) compete? Everybody thinks she competes, but she's never
1: competed. Uh, Oh, she's just a genetic freak. Um, Yeah, no, she doesn't compete. And that's honestly something that I like because, like, um, I I in the past I have dated like competitors uh, Mm -hmm. in like years past, but. I find I, I, I like being with someone who, you know, they like to work out, they like to go to the gym, but it's like they're not, you know, trying to take it to that level. Mm-hmm. And the reason being is just because, like, I, I like to have someone who's going to, you know, they're going to be able to get me to do different things other than just, like, bodybuilding, right? <laughs> yep. And it's like, for me, it opens me up to, like, more, more in life. And, like, that's why, you know, we get along well because, like, uh, you know, we can go places that I would never go unless like she wanted to go there, you know, like whether it's a, a vacation or a restaurant or, you know, even like going to like somewhere like Nordique or something, you know what I mean? Like it's uh, kind of opens me up to do more other than just bodybuilding. Um, so that's why, that's why yeah. but everyone thinks she competes, like just because she's like kind of, she has pretty good genetics. And like, she honestly doesn't, she barely trains up her body and has shoulders better than most people.
0: Um, well, I I assume that because I, th- I feel like the, when we were at, um, lena's birthday party you guys met at a show no uh we met on tinder oh tinderella (laughs) yeah oh there you go i well i'm just thinking like as you were talking like yep that for me that's that's live and i feel like you and i are very similar in that regard we're like i'm never going to say no if it's proposed to me but i'm not going to be the one to to propose doing stuff yeah so like it's like hey do you want to do this sure or if she asked me, what do you want to do? I'm like, okay, whatever. I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, literally. <laughs> I always um, like her pick. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, always. Lesson to the men out there. Let your wives and girlfriends pick what you're doing. Um yeah, exactly. So you mentioned you worked with Justin Harris for the the last couple of shows. But if I'm not mistaken, you were self-coached for a long time prior to where you worked with Patrick Tour.
1: Yeah, I worked with Patrick Tour. It was twenty twenty year twenty twenty. I did a couple shows with
0: him in twenty twenty, and then he moved on to to Justin Harris. For someone who like, can you talk about you know self coaching, and then why you actually ended up, ended up working with a coach, and like why you chose those two coaches, and then ultimately Justin.
1: Yeah, um, so. I'll go back all the way to like when I actually won my pro card in 2019. So Mm -hmm. that year I remember uh, I started a prep with a coach um, and then I decided as the prep was going on um, that I just wanted to kind of take over myself. Um, And the reason being was just like, I felt like they weren't really paying close attention that I, that I felt like they should have. Mm-hmm. Um, because like, and I'll, I'll tell you exactly how I found this out. So I basically, uh, this, this person was not, so I won't say their name because like, I, there's no need for that. Yep. Um, but like, they basically, uh, they weren't really, uh, cause I don't know how, how you would do this, but like with clients, I always tell them when to update me. Yes. Right. And give them the exact date. And like, mm-hmm. I would get like a random text message being like, Hey man, send pics. And then, so like, I had just updated him a couple, like three days before that. So what I did was like, I'm like, you know what? I was like, I'll just send him the same pictures just to see if he's paying attention. So I sent him the exact same pictures. And like, I got a response like, oh, crazy changes, man, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, okay, he's not paying attention. I was like, so I just decided right there. I was like, okay, I'm just going to take over. And I had paid him for the whole prep. Mm-hmm. And I told him, I was just like, look, I was like, I think I just want to take over myself, you know, no hard feelings. I'm like, I'm like, he was really upset about it, but I was like, well, like, I was like, I'm not asking for my money back. I'm like, it's nothing like that. I was like, I'm just going to take over myself. So I took over, I think roughly like eight weeks out of the show fully. Um, and then just finished the prep myself. And, you know, I ended up winning my pro card and everything. And then, uh, you know, the following year we obviously had everything, all that craziness happen. Um, so then I decided, I remember I was like 10 weeks out of doing, uh, the Cali pro yep. and like, I had seen uh, a few people that I knew like Ian and uh, James Hollings had working with Patrick Tor saying a lot of good things. And like, I liked his approach. Cause I feel like he was like almost very stoic about what he does. Mm-hmm. Like, he's like, kind of like, uh, you know what I mean? Like, he's just one of those guys where it's like, he's, uh, like, he's always very, like it comes across very calm and he's always asking you like, you know, He's like asking you how you're doing, hope you're doing well kind of thing. Like very, uh, you know, kind of reminded me of myself in a bit, the way he was, the way he talked and everything. Um, But I also just like, I found like his approach was very, uh, it seemed at the time it was very like, you know, he was paying attention because he wanted me to update him every single day. So like, I was like, whoa, I was like, yeah, exactly. I was like, oh, wow. Um, So I was like updating him every day. And like, it was, you know, just forced you to be like really on point with everything. Cause like mm-hmm. he's looking at you every day. So it's like, you know, you can't fuck up. Yep. Um, so I did two shows with them that year and actually both of the preps went well. Um, you know, I think, you know, it was my first season as a pro. So obviously like, you know, you can get easily overlooked, whatever, but uh, both those preps went well. And then uh, we did a bit of an off season together, which I, you know, found went well as two it was just like once, uh, once I was about to start contest prep, cause I took a brief, break from working with him just because I was in the process of uh I was moving and I had some things going on so I took about a month or two off Mm -hmm. and then I came back uh for the contest prep and I just at that time I think he had gotten really popular and uh he hadn't uh he had like a crazy amount of clients so like I remember I started updating him and like it was just different like he was like I could tell he wasn't really paying attention because he would say like he was just saying things where I'm just like what like like, like, you know, that doesn't make any sense. I'm like, you just said this last time, you're saying this this time. Um, so anyways, like I, uh, after a few weeks in, I just decided to take over myself because I was prepping for the, the Arnold's UK. So I was around 12 weeks out and I just decided I'm going to do this myself, prep myself. Um, and like I did, I ended up doing three shows that year, which I just prepped myself for. I'm yep. um, finishing off with the Toronto Pro where I ended up placing third so all of 20 yeah all of 2021 I prepped myself 2022 I also prepped myself but I only did the one show and ended up coming it off mainly because um I didn't give myself enough of a break between contest preps from the year before and just so like it affected me both physically and mentally so that kind of translated into probably my worst showing since I've been a pro and that one's like one I definitely uh it's like you want to forget it, but you don't at the same time because you want to remind yourself, like, I never want to look like that again. For sure. Um, so after that, I uh, I ended up, like, becoming, uh, for a period of time, I was, like, an official part of the First Attachment. Um, at the moment, I'm not, but uh, could potentially be in the future. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, so through that, I ended up meeting Justin. And, uh, like, I you know, just from meeting him and being able to, like, hang out with him and talk with him, I was like, wow, this guy is really smart. Like, you know, like I've, I've, I've met people where I'm like, okay, they're smart. But like this guy is like an, it was like an encyclopedia just opened up in like human form. And I'm like listening to him talk about, you know, carbohydrates and like fats and like proteins and like yeah. breaking everything down. He gets his little clipboard out and he's just like drawing stuff. And I'm like, holy crap. And then like, <laughs> so like, and then like at the same time, he's a really funny guy, just like easy down to earth, yeah. but like extremely intelligent at the same time. And then like my one uh, got one friend I met uh, his name's John Rives from uh, Virginia Beach. He was like talking very well about Justin and saying all the like great things about like his approach and uh, how he preps and then like the carb cycling and things like that. And I was like, okay, so I'd been you know doing my own thing post show and then uh, it was like kind of in the fall when I like I messaged Justin and I was just like, you know, would you be willing to work with me? you know, like to get ready for next year. And he's like, well, yeah, of course. And then, so we kind of went back and forth a bit and then officially started in like, uh, I believe it was November. We started with the off season then kind of led into contest prep. Um, And uh, the main thing that I like about Justin is his main focus is on the nutrition, you know, like he's mainly focused on your nutrition, your macros. And that's like his main focus. He lets me do my own training. and obviously like with, with other stuff, like, you know, it's more of a back and forth. Um, But uh, he definitely like showed me like how like uh, intelligent he is just by like the changes he would make. Cause like, I've, you know, worked with other coaches and I could just tell you this much, like I've never peaked that well for a show. Mm -hmm. So like that, like I feel like doing New York and like how well we peaked just like proved to me, that like he's probably he's honestly one of the most underrated coaches out there, like yeah. in comparison to some of the big guru names. Mm-hmm. Um, Because like, I was like, you know, I worked <clears> with Patrick <throat> Tor and, you know, there's other coaches out there like on that level that are more well known. But uh yeah, Justin, like the carb cycling approach uh and like the way he is able to just tweak things and like, look at you and like tweak, like, Oh, 25 more grams of carbs there or like something like that. Like very simple. It's just like, it's very impressive to be honest. And like, I, I definitely learned, I've learned a lot working with him, and I just think like his approach and just like his personality meshes well with me, the way he goes about things. Um, and yeah. And just giving me like, you know, that, uh, that mutual respect of like, you know, I do coaching myself and I've been a, you know, competitive bodybuilder for a while and I've prepped myself. So like having that ability to like kind of do some things myself, but then, like, you know, making sure I run things by him or we go back and forth, I like that a lot because it's more of a, a team effort than, a, okay, you do this because I said so, Yep, um, which works really well with me uh, at this point in my career. So, yeah, like, uh, I think uh, linking up with Justin was probably one of the best things for me. And uh, I just, I knew going into this year, I was like, I did want to have someone to guide me. So I was just kind of looking for that right fit and, like, you know, Uh, I think it just kind of lined up, just like meeting Justin and, uh, you know, learning, you know, learning more about him and, you know, getting that, uh, getting that started.
0: I love that. I think it's like, I, I got introduced to Justin through his work in the powerlifting world with Dave Tate through like T Nation, like way, way back in the day. And I, I can attest to the intelligence behind it. And you can tell he's an engineer based on like how he talks about yeah, <laughs> and, you know metabolism and things like that so i'm wondering how you know you mentioned your coach coach little joe um and we'll have all the links to to your stuff in the show notes for sure but how did when did you start coaching and and maybe a little bit on how work you mentioned a number of times how the personality of that coach influences the results that you got with them right like the way they interacted with you and I'm wondering, you know, with starting your coaching business and building that, it almost seems like the things that you prioritize as an athlete, making sure that you felt taken care of by your coach, you're bringing that over to your athletes.
1: Yeah. Like, uh, so basically, uh, I got started uh, with coaching coaching I would say, for for like actually got started, it would have been about seven years ago. No, actually, yeah. sorry, eight eight years eight years ago. Um, when I was around, I was about twenty three. Um, so I had previously just been personal training for about three years, um, and I had been competing uh, as in a body as a bodybuilder for about three years, and it was one of those things where it's like, I I was interested in it. And I wanted to do it, but it was kind of like it was like gravitating towards me even more so than I was towards it, if that makes sense. Because Mm -hmm. I had people coming to me, asking me for help, asking me if I could help them, guide them in like a bodybuilding direction, whether it was to compete or grow or whatever it was. And I was like, okay. at the time, I was just actually moving to like the Ottawa area. I used to live in the GTA Mm -hmm. um, because like I was I was dating somebody out here. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to move out there. And like, before I moved here, I was working at a good life, you know, doing the good life thing. Mm -hmm. And like, I knew I wanted to get out of that because I didn't really enjoy it. It wasn't like the, you know, working long hours and, you know, the way they operate in corporate fitness really wasn't for me. For sure. And I knew I wanted to branch out on my own and do my own thing. So I was like, okay, like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm like, I'm going to, as soon as I move, I'm going to quit. And I'm literally just going to try and uh, start building up like clients that are online. And so I just kind of like literally did a, you know, okay. Bye to the, the fitness, like life fitness. And I just, as soon as I moved out here, I just started kind of like promoting uh, the coaching thing and like trying to build upon that. And obviously like at first it kind of, it was tough, you know, like I have like uh, you know, I like I went to school for fitness and health promotion. I took that diploma and everything um, so I had a background, you know, in that and like plus with my competing experience course, and like course. other courses I'd taken along the way. So I was like, I was like, I felt like I had enough to, to help other people. But uh, like even when I started, it was like it wasn't enough to like live off of. So I was like working, you know, at a supplement store and like doing other things to like try and like, you know, build that up. And it took me a few years to get to the point where I was like, OK, like this is actually like a full time thing now. Because I think by the time I was about 25, 26 is when I was like, okay, like, you know, I can actually live, make a living off of this. Mm -hmm. Um, And then from there, I just like continued to try and develop it and develop myself. And like, you know, I'm always trying to, to learn more, whether it's through uh, coaches I've worked with or courses I take um, and things like that. And and, like, I'm always trying to improve that. So it's like, like my goal basically at this point is like, I don't want to just be like, uh, oh, he coaches bodybuilders. I like, I want to be able to coach, you know, female competitors, other competitors, you know, lifestyle clients, and just be like, you know, more of like a broad spectrum than just the one, that one little market. For sure. So that's something that I've kind of worked on expanding into, uh, because I feel like, especially, uh, you know, nowadays, it's like, obviously, if someone, you know, coaches open bodybuilders or open competitors, you know, people will like kind of question it to be like, oh, well, like they're open, right? So like, it's easier to get them in shape. But it's like, for me, it's like, I'm more apt to be able to take on like natural clients and things like that. Like, mm-hmm. example, a client just the past weekend, he won the yeah. overall and classic. Crushed it. Um, so yeah, so for me, that's kind of like me being like, I'm proving that I know what I'm doing. You know what I mean? For like, sure. that's like, those, those examples, like mean a lot to me, because I'm like, I like to be able to prove it and uh, have those things where it's like it's more of a you know in a sense it's more of a challenge to your knowledge and like what you're doing and it showcases it even more to you know to everybody so like that's kind of like what I look at now I look at things as more of like I want more of a new challenge I want to like work with different people Mm -hmm. and like be able to you know help more of a, a variety of people in that sense than just the bodybuilding community and like doing that through not just like you know the plans and stuff, but like how you, you know, how you like uh, communicate with them and like show them that you like you care. And that's one thing that I try to show to my clients is like, I, I, I want to see you succeed, mm-hmm. you know, like I want to I want to see it happen and I want to, you know, do what I can to make sure that, that happens. Right. Um, and it's not just uh to me, it's not just, yeah, it's not just a job. It's not just about, you know, making an income, making a living. It's like, you know, having a brand and like really, showing people what you're about uh, more so than just, you know, okay, here's your plan. See you next week. Like kind of thing, you know? Uh,
0: yeah. Uh, it re- it's resonating hundred percent with me. And the reason I brought up the, the relationship aspect of working with a coach is I see like we have, I trained around and been around a lot of your clients and there is unequivocally this idea that if you work with Joe you're a part of something bigger than just what you're doing so like I talked to Roman I talked to Josh I talked to Matt and they talk about working with you and and the fact that they actually feel like they have a relationship with you that is beyond just coach athlete and that's something like I do uh, I do business coaching a lot of with a lot of clients and when I talk about creating a sustainable business It comes down to the separation between a transaction, which ultimately they're paying for your service and what they feel like they're a part of. And that comes down to community. So the more that they feel involved in the coaching process and, and taken care of, and that they have a relationship, the more sustainable your business is going to be, because you'll never lose clients who feel like their interests, their values are being respected by their coach. So like kudos to you for doing that because you know, it speaks volumes to the, not only the results that your clients are getting, but also the way that they view their work with you. Right. No. And uh, I I agree
1: with that too. And like, I, I do appreciate that. Like you can see that and for sure, you know, other people can see that too. Um, And I think it also like, the one thing I think people neglect to understand is that like, you know, you can give somebody the, you can, you can be a very knowledgeable coach. You can give them the best, program, blah, 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 all that stuff. But it's like, if you don't show them that you care, like, I think that's the thing that a lot of people neglect is like, they're too robotic. And it's like, when you, you know, when you open yourself up to like, you know, give them that time of day when you see them in the gym, you know, you talk mm-hmm. to them, you're friendly with them. And like some of my clients I do, you know, there is a friendship level there, you For know, sure. like with the guys, you mentioned like Josh and Roman and Matt, um, but even still, like I always try and like give, uh, give those clients if I see them in the gym or whatever it is, or if they, if they message me and ask me questions, it's like, I try and show them that it's like, you know, I'm more than just like giving them like robotic answers, like do this. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, just the hardcore aspect. It's like kind of showing them, you know, the human aspect and like giving them that, uh, that part too, because I think that contributes to them getting better results because, they're more, like you said, it's like they feel like they're part of a community mm-hmm. and they're not just, you know, oh, I'm paying this guy to like give me my diet and training and blah, 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 you know, it's For like sure. they feel like they're part of something bigger. And I think that motivates them to, you know, want to want to do it even more.
0: Oh, without question. And, and it motivates them to just keep working with you as well. Like exactly. the best, the be- I mean, the best way to run a business is to never lose clients. So if you have (laughs) for years and years at a time, you're like, well, cool. have a sustainable business now. And any new client that gets added in is great as long as you can handle it. And in that, in that same breath, I wanted to ask like the business of bodybuilding is one that I don't think people are very familiar with there. They have this idea that, you know, you win shows, you make money and that's how you earn your living, but there's supplement contracts and, you know, uh, now there's, I mean, there's sponsorships for almost everything now. Um, but it seems like you yourself you you haven't necessarily been attached to a supplement sponsor, but you you seem to really like paved your own way for this. Like, how do you balance that? How do you balance you know earning a living as a coach, but also pursuing bodybuilding at the professional level?
1: Honestly, um, I think they they kind of go hand in hand.
0: Excuse me.
1: Okay. Um, because like for me, like I've always like. You know, the more, the more, the longer, sorry, the longer I've done this, the more I've cared less and less about being associated with like companies and sponsors and things like that. And the reason being is because those things are very short lived. Like, mind you, if I had a company come to me and they offered me a very nice like contract in regards to like, there's a salary involved, things like that. I would, you know, as long as the, the stipulations I was looking for were met, I'd probably agree to do it. Mm -hmm. But for me, like I would look at that as like, okay, like whatever that money is that they're giving me, that's just money I'm going to take and invest for my future when I'm done bodybuilding. I don't, I'm not going to use it right now. You know what I mean? And the reason I'm, the reason I care more about like the coaching aspect than like trying to get all these sponsors and stuff like that is because like, that's another, those are like other jobs that I have to do right now that are not going to benefit me 10 years down the road, 20 years down the road, et cetera. But like my coaching business and focusing on that and building that is what's going to benefit me when I'm done competing as a bodybuilder. And I've established that and like kind of been able to build upon that and have that, you know, niche market or be known as, you know, the coach for, you know, bodybuilding and whatever else. Mm-hmm. Um, so like that, that's why I've put more emphasis into that than to trying to work with companies uh, while I'm, competing myself but uh, I find being able to balance it um, I don't find it very as difficult because like I'm very like very organized with my day like I always like set up a day plan and I make sure like this time of day is you know scheduled just for like client updates this time of day is my training Mm -hmm. this time of day is like you know um, whether it's like you're making food or whatever the case might be Um, and then like your meals throughout the day and like I always have that schedule so I find it Pretty easy to balance at this point because I've been doing it for a while and I have that good sequence of like a consistent routine um, from like morning to morning to night. And uh, yeah, so for myself, I find the being able to balance the two, uh,
0: it's uh, not usually an issue. I actually found it was easier when I was in prep because my day had to be so much more regimented. I had to do my cardio at this time, I had to train at this time. So then fitting in my work inside of that almost became easier. And then you add to that the fact that you can't sleep anymore. You got more hours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you got oh, all so productive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so I want to ask, what's next for you, both as a professional in your business? Like, what are you looking forward to in the next little bit?
1: Um, well, right now I'm giving my, you know, I'm giving my body a bit of a break from contest prep. And then uh, I, you know, just being completely like transparent about it, yeah. like, um, you know, came off like uh, the of supp- all the super supplements, and yeah. just like doing TRT right now. And then once I, uh, you know, once I check my blood work in a couple months and make sure everything's in good standing, then I was gonna, um, if everything's in good standing, I wanna try and shoot for a show in the fall, like Romania, like uh, okay. in November. Mm -hmm. Um, if I felt like I needed to take a little bit longer of a break, then I was going to shoot for uh, some shows in the spring. Like I know they have the Arnold's UK um, and there's a new show. It's going to be in Detroit. So i was looking at that as well. Um, So yeah, that's kind of like my game plan competitively right now, business wise. um, I'm working on making a new website. I have someone helping me with that right now. So that's going to be structured a lot better. Um, And then linking some new merch that I'm working on as well so just working those those things are kind of like the things i'm working on there and then just trying to expi- expand uh, my clientele and gain some more uh clients like like female competitors and things like that to kind of like have a more complete looking uh, roster of clients like so it's not so dominated by uh like male competitors mm-hmm. um and things like that so that's kind of like where i've been uh, taking things at
0: least for the next uh couple months love it yeah it's great um so I have a couple quick quick hit questions for you uh, oh. <laughs> no, they're actually they're actually really funny um do you crack your egg on a flat surface or on the corner of the pan?
1: flat surface
0: okay what's your favorite lift? Ooh uh deadlift okay top three favorite physiques not the best physiques your favorite physiques.
1: Favorite physiques.
0: I would say, like current or past, anything ever.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I would say uh, two thousand and three, Ronnie Coleman. Two thousand and nine, Jay Cutler, and twenty
0: twenty three, New York Joe 20- Seaman.
1: i was actually going to say the 2023 uh samson samson dowda at the at the arnold's
0: because i saw that live and it was really impressive cool cool um if you had five dinner guests that are alive who would they be five dinner
1: guests: um michael jordan
0: eric thomas
1: oh um david goggins Why can't I remember his name now? I literally saw him live. Uh, Jordan Peterson. Jordan Peterson.
0: (laughs) And uh, five, I'm trying to think. Hmm. Jay Collar. Love it. Um, Who's another coach that you think I should interview? But the stipulation is you have to get them to come on my podcast.
1: Um, Can I say Justin? Yeah, sure.
0: Yeah. I think you should interview Justin. I definitely. I think could def- to be Justin. I, th- I think.
1: I think either of us could get him to come on. <laughs> okay. All
0: right, dude. Thank you so much for chatting with me today. Um, I know your time is valuable, so it, it means a lot that you would take take it out of your day. And um, if people, you know, want to find you, or I'll have everything in the show notes. I'll ask you to email me that afterwards. But if people want to find you, <laughs> where can they get a hold of you? Any sponsors you want to shout out? Um, so yeah, like if you guys wanted to
1: get a hold of me, probably the easiest way is through Instagram. So my Instagram is at coach little Joe. Um, you could also email me. My email is, uh, Joe Seaman one nine nine two at gmail.com. Um, and then yeah, I have YouTube as well. My YouTube is just coach little Joe. So it kind of keeps it simple there. Uh, so yeah, those are the easiest ways to, in, to contact me. Uh, the only direct sponsor i have right now is uh with liquid sunrays so if you guys are looking for any tanning products or to get your tans done for shows uh i recommend liquid sunrays um you can use my code which is little joe 10 awesome
0: dude thank you so much appreciate it yeah no problem thanks for having me on